0: Thank you for listening to the CrossFitch Podcast. Today's message is by senior pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Ridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We face a challenge each day that every follower of Jesus faces in a... Uh, this life that we enjoy and live it doesn't matter our age or stage in life it doesn't matter our location or vocation in life the challenge that we face day by day is living for jesus in a world that is living in rebellion against jesus and in opposition to jesus this challenge is too much for us on our own we need god's help to live God's way. Thankfully, God generously gives us his help. When God saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus, God placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit helps us every day in every way. He comforts us, convicts us, encourages us, guides us, teaches us, and empowers us to live for Jesus. God has given us his word before us so that we can know him, we can know his good, pleasing, and perfect will, and so that we can know how to live his way. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God has also adopted us into his family and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God has given us the help we need to live his way. He continues to give us this help day by day. And so as we get into our study this morning, Paul is teaching us through our study in Titus about how to live for Jesus with our brothers and sisters in Jesus. So if you have your scriptures, open them to Titus chapter 2 if you haven't already. We are continuing in our study through this amazing letter from Paul to Titus, and God is going to continue speaking to us in these moments. Uh, through this teaching of his word. Paul has emphasized, as you know, as well as I do, sound teaching in chapter two. Sound teaching is preaching and teaching the truth of God's word. Paul has addressed the godly older men and women and the godly younger women and men in this passage already because the truth of God's word is for every member of God's family. Two points that we have learned already in uh, this study in chapter two from Paul, number one, We are to help one another grow in Jesus. Paul told Titus, teach them to obey your truth in verse 1. He told Titus, encourage them to obey your truth in verses 4 and 6. He told them, show an example of what it means to live out God's truth in your life In verse seven, so we know we are to teach and share God's truth with one another. We're to encourage one another to live out God's truth and we're to show an example. We're to be examples of the truth of God's word lived out in our day-to-day lives. We are to help one another grow in Jesus. The second point Paul has made clear is that we are to be effective witnesses for Jesus. Paul's concern for Titus, the elders in the churches in Crete, and all followers of Jesus then and now, today, including us, was the spread of the good news of the gospel. We're to go and make disciples of all nations. As followers of Jesus, we are witnesses for Jesus. Paul has made this clear over and over. He's gonna continue to do this in our passage this morning. Paul has made it clear that we're witnesses for Jesus. We witness by our walk. Paul challenged us to live in such a way so that the word of God would not be slandered by those who do not yet have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. We know that we witness by our words. Paul challenged us last week that we are to make sure that our words, our teaching is full of integrity, dignity, and sound beyond reproach. Our words and our walk should point people to Jesus. Now, this morning, as we continue in our study of this passage, Paul added a third dimension to our witness. We witness by our walk. We witness by our words. He adds a third dimension in this passage we're going to look at this morning. We witness by our work. We jump now into Titus chapter 2. We're beginning in uh, verse 9. As we've made our way to this verse, this passage, let's look at verse 9. Paul's writing to Titus, the elders in the churches in Crete, in us, slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. So I need to set the context of this passage so that we can unpack God's truth for us in this passage. It's clear, as you and I have read, Paul is talking about slaves and masters in this passage. So let me uh, look at this in, from four different points. Let's look at four different points that we can identify here from this passage. The first point is slavery was part of society. Slavery was part of society in Paul's day, in the Roman Empire. Slavery played a large role in the Roman Empire. It is estimated that one out of every three persons in the Roman Empire were slaves. Slavery applied and included people from all different backgrounds, all different circumstances. Scholars tell us that a person could become a slave in multiple ways. They could become a slave by being born into a slave family by being captured in war, by being convicted of a crime, uh, by being uh, sold by a parent in need of money, by uh, also not being able to pay back a debt. And they could also uh, have been kidnapped and put into slavery. And a, a seventh way is they could voluntarily, a person in the Roman Empire, could voluntarily sell themselves into slavery uh, for money. And so we see a slave was not legally considered a person. Slaves were considered the property of their masters. A master possessed the power for good and bad. In Paul's day, a slave's life could range from cruelty to comfort, some slaves were abused, mistreated, and killed. Some slaves were treated well, even at times better, as scholars tell us, than freemen. Because they had a place to save, food, clothing, pay, and security provided to them by their masters. Education was available to some of the slaves. Some slaves were highly educated, highly skilled workers, accountants, doctors, who greatly benefited their masters and society. Freedom was also possible for some slaves. Once a slave earned or purchased their freedom, they oftentimes would go back and work for their master as a freeman. Many slaves enjoyed close relationships with their masters. So as we begin to look at this passage, we know slavery was part of society. Second point is Paul addressed slavery. Paul addressed it obviously here and in other passages in his writings in the New Testament. Slaves and masters were coming to faith in Christ Jesus. They were joining the churches in Crete. So Paul wrote to Titus and the elders in Crete to teach them how to teach those newfound by their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, slaves and masters, how to live God's way with one another. Paul, the apostles, the New Testament church, the truth of God's word, all work together over time to help end the abuses of slavery by teaching the Christian masters to treat their slaves well, and by, and by teaching the Christian slaves to work hard for their masters. So we see Paul had to address slavery. Dr. Daniel Aiken, he's a, a Bible scholar, an author, uh, and a seminary president. He said this, "...through a wise and strategic extension of the gospel, the New Testament sows the seed for the unmasking of slavery, for the sin that it is, and for its eventual destruction." Scripture never advocates bloodshed or rebellion in confronting or overturning evil structures of society and culture. Rather, it attacks it with the beauty of the gospel, the grace of God, and the ethic of love. Paul addressed slavery because he had to in that day and time. Third point, slavery in America violated Scripture. The slavery we are most familiar with in America The buying and selling, the abuse, mistreatment, and murder of people from Africa was sin and unpleasing to God. The horrors of slavery throughout history, including that aspect in the history of our country, reveal in a very clear manner the extent of the depravity of sin, of our brokenness by sin. And our desperate need for the Savior, Jesus, and the truth of God's word day after day. God is the creator of life. God has made each one of us uniquely, divinely, remarkably, wonderfully, fearfully in his image. And God has given us the color of our skin. God did not, and God does not make mistakes. Therefore, we understand racism is, has been, always, will be sin. And it must be confessed to God, forsaken, and we must seek to love one another as Jesus loves us. The fourth point is that we are God's witnesses at work. Paul taught in this passage, specific context, the Christian slaves and masters how to glorify God and point people to Jesus in their work and through their work. Paul taught actions and attitudes matter. Actions and attitudes matter. Christian slaves, and masters, by their winsome actions and attitudes, would be effective witnesses for Jesus. God would empower and use the Christian slaves to make the truth of his gospel come alive to their masters. God would empower and use the Christian masters to make the truth of his gospel come alive to their slaves so that all could be brought into the family of God. And so in this passage, as we look at the context for us today, we know and understand Paul is teaching us by the Spirit of God alive and at work in us through the truth of his word, how we are to glorify God and point people to Jesus in and through our work. This is vitally important for you and for me to grab a hold of and to apply in our lives. And so with that as the background, somewhat of a background, a quick background to this passage, we look at verse 9, and Paul wrote, Slaves are to submit to their masters. Slaves, in the original language, doulos, means servant. Submit means to subject oneself. It means to voluntarily come under the leadership of another. Submit is in the present tense. Masters means the one in authority over them. And so the Christian slaves are to submit. They were to voluntarily come under the leadership of their masters, those in authority over them, every day. Slaves are to submit to their masters. Paul continued, in everything. In everything means in all things, at all times when they are treated well with fairness and respect, and when they were not treated well with fairness and respect. And so for us today, we see the application is very similar. As Christian employees, as godly employees, we are to submit. We are to come under voluntarily the leadership of those who are in position over us, our bosses, our employers, every day. We're to come under their leadership when we are treated well with fairness and respect. We're to come under their leadership when we are not treated well with fairness and respect. Exceptions to in everything obviously include if and when a boss or employer asks us to do something illegal, immoral, unbiblical, or unethical, then we obviously take our stand as followers of Jesus Christ Our ultimate allegiance is to him and the truth of his word. Slaves are to submit to masters in everything. We as godly employees are to voluntarily come under the leadership of those God's placed in a position of authority over us, our bosses, our employers, in every day, in every way, so that we might be able to bring honor and glory and praise to our Father in heaven. So we need to ask and answer two questions. And they're real simple questions. They're real short questions. The first question is how? How? How do we apply this truth in our lives? The answer is equally simple. We must submit ourselves to God. We must submit ourselves to God. As we submit ourselves to God day by day, as we walk by the Spirit, not the flesh, as we seek God first, as we look to God and rely on God, we are able to come under the leadership of those in authority over us by God's power at work in us. Think about it. Scripture is consistent. As a husband submits himself to God, he is then able to love his wife as Christ loved the church. As a wife submits herself to God, she is then able to submit to her husband as to the Lord. As we, followers of Jesus Christ, submit ourselves to God, we are able to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And as we, godly employees, submit ourselves to God, we are able to submit ourselves to the bosses and employers that are in leadership over us, positioned there by God for us. Paul's point is this. As we submit ourselves to our employers, our employers will see Jesus in us and be drawn to our obedience to Jesus through that witness that we have for Jesus. They'll see Jesus in us by the way in which we work, by the way in which we come under their leadership, They'll see this Jesus that we proclaim, and they'll be drawn to Jesus through our obedience to King Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us to submit in everything. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to live God's way day by day. We can't do it in our own strength, according to our own wisdom. The Holy Spirit, that's why God's placed His Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit helps us to submit and everything. The Holy Spirit helps us to live God's way in our workplace. The Holy Spirit helps us to bless those who persecute us, to bless and not curse. The Holy Spirit encourages us to not repay evil for evil, to not seek revenge, to forgive those who have come against us and offended us because we've been forgiven by God in Christ Jesus to do our part, to live at peace with everyone. The Holy Spirit in us empowers us to overcome evil, not with evil, but to come over, overcome evil with good. And so if we're going to apply this truth much the same way if we're gonna apply any of this truth in God's word, but in particular this truth that we're looking at this morning, If we're going to be God's witnesses in the workplace, then we must submit ourselves to God every day, all through the day, in the morning, noon, and in the evening time. We submit ourselves to him. And as we submit ourselves to God, the Holy Spirit at work and alive in us empowers us to live out this truth, to bring honor and glory to God, to be the witnesses, to shine the light of Jesus to those he places around us in our workplace, who work beside us and with us, and those who are in a position of authority. And so when we submit ourselves to God, we're going to be able to fulfill what Paul shared throughout this passage. He continues, slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing. Well-pleasing means agreeable and desirable to their bosses, and productive for their bosses. Well-pleasing is connected to in everything. Some translations may read, and be well-pleasing in all things, and be well-pleasing in everything. And so we know, anytime we see in everything, we know that's a call for us to once again submit ourselves to God, because we can't do anything in everything in our strength. It requires the Lord's strength and so our work our attitude in our work in our attitudes at work are to be pleasing to god obviously first and foremost but they're to be pleasing to our employers we're to be well pleasing when our employers are difficult we're to be well pleasing when our employers are very unpleasant. We're to be well-pleasing when our employers are unpleasing to us. Again, submitting ourselves to the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to be well-pleasing in everything, to be agreeable, desirable to our bosses, productive for our bosses. As Paul told us in Ephesians 6, we're to serve with a good attitude. We're to serve with that attitude. Actions and attitudes matter. We're not just to do the work, but our attitudes in our work are so vitally important. Such a huge aspect to our witness, our testimony for Jesus. And so we're to be well-pleasing. And he continues and says, not talking back. Hello. Not talking back. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. Not talking back. What is Paul saying here? He's saying this. Again, we're going to be well-pleasing at work. We're not going to be guilty of talking back. Not talking back means not arguing, not complaining, not griping, and not speaking against. As godly employees... We are to work in such a way without being argumentative and difficult, without complaining and griping, without speaking against our bosses, our employers, without speaking about our bosses, employers, or coworkers behind their backs. We're to be well-pleasing. In all things, and we're to not be guilty of talking back, of arguing, complaining, or griping. Listen, if we have problems at work, we as followers of Jesus Christ follow the right channels established in the workplace to address and discuss the problems properly and appropriately. As followers of Jesus Christ, we work faithfully with excellence as long as God has us in that position and that place of employment. And as we pray for a change in employment, which is fine to pray for, it's okay to pray for, when God answers that prayer for a change of employment, and when we leave our job for a new one, we leave gracefully. We leave gracefully. Knowing and understanding that we're to be well-pleasing in everything. Every day in every way. And then he finishes here and he says we're to be well-pleasing and we're, we're to not talk back or stealing. It's interesting, he adds this here. Obviously, this was characteristic of those workers' employees, those slaves there that were dealing with their masters, at times would not be well-pleasing. They would talk back and they would steal. And so he shares with us here in, in stealing. We're not to steal. That literally means not keeping back, not embezzling, not setting aside and taking what is not ours. We know that Luke gave us a real clear example of this in Acts chapter 5, uh, in the uh, example of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, the folks who were part of the first church in Jerusalem, and they, they violated this. They did exactly what Paul is saying here not to do. They uh, kept back, as you know the story, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a, a piece of their property and uh, they brought the sale, uh, the money from the sale of the property to the church And uh, they acted as if they were giving all of the money from the sale of the property to the church, to the Lord, through the church there in Jerusalem. But they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit because they both knowingly kept back some of the money from the sale of the land. And their mistake was not in keeping back some of the money from the sale of the land. Their mistake was lying to the Holy Spirit and acting as if they were giving all of it to the Lord. And we know that God disciplined Ananias and Sapphira severely. And so we understand through the context of Scripture, even back to the Old Testament, that stealing in any and every way, large amounts or small amounts, is sin. Whether it's stealing stuff, time, or effort, From our employees, it's not to be a part of the practice of a godly man or woman. It's not to be a part of the way in which we work in our places of employment. We must be careful that we're well-pleasing, that we're not talking back, we're not guilty of talking back and stirring up trouble, always complaining and griping. That's a terrible testimony. For folks to know we're followers of Jesus Christ and we tell somebody, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And all, all we do is gripe or complain. They're going to think, are you kidding me? No chance. I want to stay away as much as I possibly can from you. We're not going to talk back and we're not obviously going to steal. But he continues and says, watch this. But demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God, our Savior, and everything. But demonstrating utter faithfulness. As godly employees, we're to demonstrate utter faithfulness. That means we're to demonstrate and we're to show faithfulness, honesty, dependability, integrity, and trustworthiness in our work and how we work. Faithfulness when the boss is around and when the boss is absent. Faithfulness, when others are faithful at work and when others are unfaithful at work. Faithfulness, when there's a lot of folks around us watching and observing us and when we may be the only one in the workplace, faithfulness if our job is out on the road, away from folks, going and making uh, contacts and talking to folks who may or may not know us, anything about us, and we may be far away from those who do know us. Faithfulness in those moments, in those times. Faithfulness in every one of those meetings, no matter who we're meeting with or how long those meetings are or where those meetings may be, faithfulness, demonstrating utter faithfulness in every way as we continue to do what God's called us to do in the place of our employment. And so we see clearly that Paul is laying this out for us. The first question is how we must submit ourselves to God. That's the only way we're going to be able to fulfill the teaching in this passage by submitting ourselves to God. It was the only way that those in the churches in Crete, those Christian slaves and masters the only way they were going to be able to fulfill this teaching in their day was by submitting themselves to God. It's the only way we're going to be able to fulfill this teaching in our day is by by submitting ourselves to God. So the second question then, the first is how, the second question is why? Why? Why is this important? Why did Paul include this here in this passage? Why did Paul bring this to the attention of these brothers and sisters years and years ago? Why is God bringing this to our attention today through this writing from Paul to Titus and us this morning? The simple answer is because we work for the Lord. That's why. This is important for you and for me today because we work for the Lord, not people. We work for the Lord. There should be no one who works harder than us. There should be no one who works with more excellence, more faithfulness, more grace, more humility, more integrity, more joy, and more perseverance than us because we work for the Lord, not for people. King Jesus is our ultimate Savior, Lord. He is our boss. We work for him. And so we understand and realize, and this transforms our thoughts around work, because what it helps us to understand is our workplace is our worship space. Your workplace is your worship space. My workplace is my worship space it 's where I worship the Lord through my work for the Lord. And so I know God desires and deserves my best. You know God desires and deserves your best. God is with us, watching over us he 's working in us according to His good purpose for us. And so since God is our one that we ultimately answer to, God is our boss, we work for the Lord, not for people we know and understand, then it is incumbent upon us to set the pace in our workplace. I'm not talking about workaholism. I'm not talking about losing all of the rest of the priorities in our lives and taking God off the throne of our life and putting work on the throne. I'm talking about setting the pace by the power of the Holy Spirit alive and at work in us in our workplace. And here's the big why. He said, so that, here's why we demonstrate utter faithfulness. Here's why we submit to those in authority over us in everything. Here's why we're well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. When we demonstrate as Christian, godly employees and employers, when we demonstrate utter faithfulness at work, when we work in the Lord's strength for the Lord's glory, we are able to adorn, we're able to. Show the beauty of the gospel. We're able to highlight the attractiveness of the good news of the gospel. Whether we work inside the home, outside the home, or both, our work and our attitudes in our work and at work are to be a beautiful ornament that highlights the glory and the grace of our Almighty God, that highlights the beauty of the gospel. You see, God uses our witness at work in his work in the lives of those that he has sovereignly placed around us in our workplace that may or may not have a relationship with him by his grace through our faith in Jesus. So this begins to transform our work, wherever that might be, whatever God's called You too. We begin to understand, man, God is using my witness in what he has called me to, where he has called me to, to do what he's called me to do, for those he's called me to do it for. He's using my witness in his work in those folks' lives, those who are in a position of authority over me, those who work around me my co-workers, those who may work for me. So this is so vitally important for you and for me today, just as it was years ago, so vitally important for us today. Remember, people are watching us all the time to see if Jesus really makes a difference in us. They're watching us all the time. And what they want to know is, does this Jesus really make a difference in our lives? And what Paul is saying is, we show the difference that Jesus makes in us by our walk, by our words, and by our work as we work for the Lord. He takes and uses our witness. He empowers us in our work. He fills us with the attitudes he desires for us to have in our work. And then he uses those actions and attitudes in his work and the lives of those he's placed around us. So our application This morning is is quite simple. Our application for you, our takeaway, what is it that God wants us to do? And how do we take and apply this truth in our lives today and this week? Well, it's real simple. We must submit ourselves to God again today. We need to submit ourselves to God again today. We need to take these moments and humble ourselves before the Father once again. We need to humble ourselves knowing that as we humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up in his time, in his power, for his glory. And so let me just ask you to bow in prayer. Here for these few moments, and I want to encourage you just to submit yourselves right there where you're seated to the Lord, just to to bow in your hearts and minds before the Father this morning. Humble yourself before him. And I want to encourage you, based on the context of the truth of Scripture this morning. I want to encourage you, as you've submitted yourself to the Lord, as you're bowing before Him now in your own heart and mind, I want you to be honest with the Lord about your work. Be honest with God about your work. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to you about your work, your witness at work, your actions, your attitudes, At work. As it applies, take time to ask God to forgive you for taking your eyes off Him at work. Ask God to help you to keep your eyes on Him at work. Take time to pray for your bosses. Take time to pray for your employers. Take time to pray for your coworkers. Take time to pray for your employees. Call out to the Father on their behalf and call out their name to the Father. Ask God to continue using you and your work and His work in their lives. Ask God to allow you to be a blessing and an encouragement to those He places around you. Ask God to help you to work as unto Him and to not get solely focused on the individual or individuals that you report or work for. Thank God. Take time to thank God for the position of employment that he has given to you today. Thank God for those that he's placed around you in your workplace. You see, those folks that he has placed around you at work are part of your congregation. We've said this many times as followers of Jesus. We're ministers for Jesus. We're witnesses for Jesus. You got a congregation and I got a congregation. We all have a congregation. It includes all those that God places around us week in and week out. Your congregation looks different than mine. Mine looks different from yours. There's overlap in our congregations because we're family in Jesus together, but God's getting ready to send you back out this week to the congregation that he's placed around you. Thank God for those that he's placed around you. And then ask God once again to empower you to be His faithful witnesses at work in your actions and in your attitudes. We understand that God sees. Us That God knows us. God is the one who empowers us. And God rewards us. As we submit ourselves to him day by day, living his way and his strength for his glory. What we want others to see is that there is freedom in Jesus. The true ultimate freedom is found in a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith and trust in Jesus. I want to encourage you as you're continuing to submit to God, if there's other cares that you've got that you came in carrying, cast them at the Lord's feet. He cares who He loves you. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. The doors will be open. God hears and answers our prayers according to His will for us, which is best for us. This is an opportunity for us to minister to one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. If you have a prayer need that you want someone to pray with you, pray for you, they would love to pray with you. That's why they'll be standing here. They would love to pray with you or pray for you. We don't want anyone to carry a need into this room uh, and then to carry it out. If you've yet to say yes to Jesus, today's the day of salvation for you. Receive God's gift of salvation by God's grace, giving you another chance here in these moments by your response of faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus took your place on the cross and paid your price for sin. He died, he was buried, he rose again. He's alive and he is the only way for any of us to enter into a relationship with God. is by faith and trust in the Son of God, Jesus, and his work for us on the cross. God may want you to go and minister to a brother, sister in Christ, to pray with him, pray for him, encourage him. The altar is open. Let's respond in obedience to the Lord as we stand and worship him. New song in these moments. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.